Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is brought to you by Pros. Casper, I just got a wonderful, wonderful haircut. It looks so good. Thank you. I feel great with it. But I cut off over a foot of hair, and that means my long hair was sort of pulling my curls in one way. And now that I have short hair, I need a totally different hair care routine. Mm. Luckily, Pros is made for people. Not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. And so I used the review and refine feature, and I was like, yes, I still want vegan hair care products. Yes, I still want to smell like a lavender field, (laughs) but my hair is no longer long. It is short to medium length. Please send me a different formula of shampoo and conditioner. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash Harry Potter. So you get your free consultation and then 50% off at pros.com slash Harry Potter. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash Harry Potter. Chapter 8, The Hearing. Harry gasped. He could not help himself. The large dungeon he had entered was horribly familiar. He had not only seen it before, he had been here before. I'm Vanessa Zoltan. And I'm Casper Terkyle. And this is Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. So Casper, I'm so excited you're here. We have a few announcements before we jump in. We are at the end of our Patreon drive, and there are some really exciting bonuses if we hit our goal of 200 either new patrons or patrons going up a level. And so everybody go to patreon.com slash Harry Potter Sacred Text now. It's not too late. And then you'll get a bonus episode. And it's going to be so charming. Please join our Patreon. It's the way in which we're able to continue the show. And we're so, so grateful to everyone who can join us. Absolutely. We also have a live show, October 12th, a virtual live show. It will be virtual, but Casper and I will actually be in the same apartment in New York City. So we're going to celebrate that. (laughs) Yeah. You'll be Zooming in live from our kitchen table. And we'd love to have you. And there is a VIP event for patrons only after the show. Another reason to join Patreon, another reason to go to our live show. So find out more about everything at harrypottersacredtext.com. 
And for our Patreon bonus episode today, our Every Flavored Bean Conversation, Casper, you and I are going to be talking about confrontational moments with authority, mostly because I <laughs> these are my favorite <laughs> stories about you. You respond <laughs> very funnily <Badly>. to authority, <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> it's true. We've experienced a couple of those together. <laughs> They're my fave. Okay. Oh, I look forward so to it. So again, something else that you can get on Patreon. Casper, you have a story on the theme of tension. What story do you have for us today? Well, a number of years ago, I was working on a research project and I was looking at how spirituality showed up in secular spaces. And I had heard about this kind of away day training experience, personal development workshop called the Landmark Forum. My kind of second aunt had done it and absolutely loved it. I'd had some people say that it was like very intense. Some people say, yes, it's intense, but it's also incredible. And so we thought, let's go and research it. So we got dressed in our kind of like business casual, my colleague and I, and we arrived in the glorious suburbs of Boston in Dedham, Massachusetts. And the name suggests what the vibe was. It was a corporate gray, kind of like bland office building. And yet there were these like posters of like, transformation like your life can be better <laughs> I, I mean uh, it eagles was, soaring <laughs> exactly sunsets <laughs> provided quite a contrast with like the broken photocopier in the hallway and so we sat down with maybe 80 people or so and out came this training team these these two people who were clearly going to lead us through an experience and immediately like the moment they walked out the tension in the room was palpable. And it's kind of like wrestlers walking into an arena, right? Like people start clapping and, and hollering. And so I'm like, great, you know, it, it's going to start. Hooray. <laughs> and they are not smiling. They don't have a spiel prepared. They just start talking and not to the crowd, to individual people especially in the front row, they start to like pick out people and kind of like push them on like, why are you here? And like, what's the reason you've come? And you can see people starting to squirm. Like in an audience, you expect, okay, I'm just going to receive something, right? Like this is just going to be me watching you do something. And instead they're getting people to stand up and like tell a lot of their story in quite a vulnerable way, in a way that just keeps building the tension because everyone else who is not speaking is like, oh boy, am I next? And I couldn't handle it. I was like, this, I don't want to be here. It's it's a Friday evening and I've got a whole weekend of this. Like, absolutely <laughs> not. And so I left as soon as the first break came because I was like, I don't want to be around this kind of tension. And I know that for some people that tension ends up being really fruitful because it breaks open conversations that they have maybe been scared to have, but they're necessary. This program is all about helping people realize the difference between what happened and the story they tell about what happened, the story they tell themselves. And especially over time, those two things can grow quite far apart. And so, you know, I'm not saying this wasn't fruitful for some people. What I'm saying was the tension was so awful, I had to get out of there. And so my curiosity for this chapter is, when is tension productive and when is it destructive? That's what I want to look for. Oh my God, I love that question. Because I do think 
we have a cultural aversion to conflict, especially in the U.S., where like politeness and niceness is considered a moral good. And I think, no, sometimes we need tension because the status quo is bad. But there are other times where, right, like it it can be violent. Um, And we see, I think, both kinds of tension in this chapter. And so I'm really excited because I don't think I have a unifying theory of sussing that out. And I think that we can sort of move closer on that in Mm. this chapter. I wonder if there's something about focusing on the individual. Like, because that's so present in this chapter. So that's one thing I want to look for. Oh, that's really interesting. Okay. Well, let's first remind people what happens in this chapter. It is one of my favorite chapters in this book. So I'm really excited. Okay. Can you count me in, please? All right. Here we go. The race to the 32nd recap starts in three, two, one. Go. So there are 50 people staring at Harry, including the Minister of Magic and Percy. And they start questioning him and then Dumbledore shows up. Thank God. And then Mrs. Fig comes and gives a testimony. And everybody is like, why did you cast a Patronus? Also, we don't believe you that there were Dementors. And Dumbledore pulls this whole thing where he's like, there were definitely Dementors. We have a night witness. The question is whether or not the Ministry sent them. So Harry gets off and Dumbledore disappears along with his chintz chair. (laughs) The chair is crucial. (laughs) The chair is crucial. I had a great conversation with my younger stepdaughter yesterday about the power play of the chintz chair oh big time big time i, power I will play. save i will save more for my 30 seconds okay on your mark get set go so yes dumbledore and fudge are having a big magic wand off about who knows the law better than the other and so they keep referencing like section b of part 17 of the magical lore of this um and dumbledore obviously wins because he's the best but Fudge has a secret weapon and her name is Dolores Umbridge. And rather than getting flustered and red in the face like Fudge does, Umbridge is like Dumbledore and is cool as a cucumber and is just absolutely menacing as she quizzes Harry and questions Dumbledore and twists things. And that's why she's powerful. Hit him. Hit him. I'm surprised. So Casper, I would argue one of the tensest moments in this chapter is with your beloved Percy. Hmm. So, <laughs> I know, Percy Percy is on the dark side in this chapter. But, like, the moment, right, Percy isn't technically doing anything overly wrong, right? He, like, is rebelling against his parents. It's tense. But he has a job and he's choosing a side based on bad information. He's not doing anything that I judge yet. But this moment with Harry... I do kind of judge. It's really tense because Harry and Percy have these different expectations. Harry looks at Percy just like counting on making eye contact and acknowledging that they both know each other and have like slept in the same house. And Percy has been Harry's prefect. And like they have this longstanding multifaceted relationship. And Percy doesn't even look at Harry. And I do think that sometimes just eye contact and a wave, even if it's in a tense moment, can break at least a relational tension. It's the kind of inversion of a normal relationship that creates tension. It's like, we all know that this is what we're supposed to do. Why is everyone doing that when we're supposed to be doing this? You know, Um, and I think that's what Harry's feeling with Percy. It's like, okay, I know that the rest of this situation is pretty unfamiliar, even though I've seen it in the pensive. Like, 
I've never been here. I, I don't know how this works. Like, do I get chained there up or don't I? are rattling. Yes, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But at least I know that if I'm seeing someone who's friendly, right, we're going to smile. We're going to acknowledge one another's humanity. And I think Percy not doing that illustrates the kind of like the helplessness that Harry feels. He can't defend himself. He's not being acknowledged, right? Even Dumbledore, who is like protecting him in this incredibly architected way and navigated the changing of the room at the last minute and everything else, even Dumbledore won't look at him. And so I think Harry feels incredibly isolated and and that tension just keeps building with each interaction like this that happens. I do feel like we all have been in moments like this, though, right? You and I both proctored in the dorms and late one night, right? These kids who you have really good relationships with are like throwing a big party. And then the way that I would handle these situations is I would go in and turn on the lights and be like, okay, if you don't live here, get out. And then my punishment was you, I'm an early riser. So I'd say you have to get up and meet with me at 630 tomorrow morning because I know that that's really painful for them. And it is interesting because these are people who I have a really good and longstanding relationship with, but they are scared of me in that moment. Always for first warning, the whole punishment was getting up early. That was it. And I would talk to them and talk about breaking community norms and how somebody might have had a test the next day or have to get up early for church and they can't sleep or feel safe, you know, and, you know, we we would just remember why partying at two in the morning really loudly is not something we do here. But I know that moment where I would like open the door for them and they like didn't know whether or not to say hi to me or whether or not to say hi to my dog, right? They're like, <laughs> hi, Rory. Oh, no, but I'm here to be in trouble, right? And so there is something about when your normal relationship with someone is in a different context, it can be intensely awkward. I understand why Percy avoids making eye contact because this yeah. is not them running into each other at Hogwarts or at the borough. But you can't just avoid that adds to the tension. And would you, because you add to that awkwardness on purpose, right? You add to the tension by not giving them the social cues of how to interact with you at that 2 a.m. lights on moment. Right. Like, what was the productive use of that tension? Why would you do that? Like, it isn't the moment for the conversation. Mm. And then I'm also just like, it's not my job to make this less awkward for you. Like you broke right. a social contract. I'm calm about this. And like, I don't know, figure it out. It was a tool, but I was always very friendly. And so, yeah, I can understand, right? Like I was in my 30s doing this job and it is technically awkward. So I understand why like 19 year old Percy hasn't figured this out. But come on, dude, just like, just go, hi, Harry. Like, that's it. Just like, don't pretend you don't know someone. That's really helpful to me because I had read Percy as doing this on purpose. I think he's just awkward. You're so right. I think right. it's a really like, tense situation. <laughs> yeah, because like some people, like Dumbledore is intentionally not looking at Harry for reasons right. that we understand and what will do. And for Percy, it's just, he's 19. He's like, uh, uh, I'm supposed to be here. Uh, I don't know you, <laughs> you know? It's like seeing an ex on the street corner and you're like, whoa, whoa, uh, I'm not sure what to do. Versus like running into someone at a party who you worked with, who you really did not like, but five years later and you're like, hello, nice to see you. I'm gonna move on quickly, but I'm being polite, right? Like there's just a different level of maturity. Well, I think that, one of the things that can make things tense is not knowing what your role is in a situation. 
or feeling like mm. the other person potentially has more power in the situation. I think that the reason that this is so tense for Percy is because he doesn't know what his relationship is with Harry anymore, mm. right? He's in a fight with his parents and his siblings, but does Harry know about it? He is technically doubting Harry, right? Like it's too ambiguous. Whereas mm. with my students, I still knew what my role was. My role was to sort of like correct them back into community living. And like I was very clear on that. And it's tense for them because they're like, I don't know what Vanessa's role is right now. Is she going to be punisher? Is she going to be like chill about this? Right. And mm -hmm. so I actually think if they knew objectively that I was mad, then yeah. right, they'd be scared, but it wouldn't be tense. Right. It's the unknown that creates tension. Well, and I think this is such a good point to look at the contrast then with Fudge and Dumbledore, because mm -hmm. in that case, it's exactly what you're saying, right? They both know the other's position. There's no lack of clarity. I mean, Fudge is saying things that are genuinely terrifying, right? Like they're both referencing to the law and Dumbledore seems to have won. And then Fudge straight out says laws can be changed, right? Like these are threats. These are like full on contradictions of the other's assessment of the facts. It's, you know, they're both throwing in curveballs like, you know, Dumbledore bringing in his kind of star witness unbeknownst to Fudge. Fudge changing the time of the meeting to try and get Dumbledore out of there. Like there is no lack of clarity here. They both know exactly what's going on. And it's just a battle of the wits. And I think you're so right that like, Yes, it's tension, but it's a different kind of tension because it's straight up conflict rather than this awkwardness of like, we're supposed to be friends or we live in community, right? And we're navigating a boundary that one of us has infringed. This is like outright war and who's in control of the judicial system. Right. Because Dumbledore is trying through his skills to sway the rest of the Wizard you know, who he's worked with for decades. And so Fudge does not yet have total control and Dumbledore can make use of that. But that's where I think the tension comes in, right? Mm. I agree with you. They both know that this is just conflict. This is anger. This is almost violent, right? Like Absolutely. we are trying to create a divide, which is a different thing than tension. But I think what is tense is the performance of it, is Ooh, the I fact that, that technically they are both supposed to be on the side of truth. They are both supposed to be on the side of the law. They are supposed to be working together uh, by playing different roles, but they are supposed to be working together in order to come up with a solution that is truthful. And so hmm. in theory, Fudge should be open to the fact that there were dementors in Little Wayne Jing. And technically, Dumbledore is supposed to be open to the fact that Harry has overstepped, hmm. but they're not. And I think that it's the unspoken that is making it tense. Mm, I love that. Yeah, and this kind of audience role, because we see a lot of like chattering in the background and people being swayed and, ooh, that's an interesting thought and I hadn't thought about this kind of, you know, faces being made behind behind Fudge. Huh, that's really interesting because it, it, it makes me think about how, even just within the general story, right, we have these moments of intense conflict where the narrative takes us, but there's always this background, whether it's Hogwarts or whether it's the society of the Wizarding World, where the tension increases, even when people themselves are not directly in the conflict. And so just the impact of, of especially violent conflict, of course, 
has on the tension of everyone else. And frankly, what that does also just to people's like bodies, right? Like Harry feels sick as he sits in the chair. His heart constricts his throat. There's all of this impact of tension that otherwise we might not see on the page. And I think that's why direct conflict can often relieve tension. Because mm. then if it's done with like kindness and calm, it creates clarity and everyone actually says all the things and it gets rid of the ambiguity. Yep. And then, right, we can get onto the same page. So if someone hurts my feelings, I'm walking around being tense around them, right? Like, why would they do that? That was so disrespectful. And then I'm giving off a vibe of not trusting them. And then they're like, oh, no, what's going on with her, right? But as soon as we talk about it, and I'm like, it really hurt my feelings that you didn't say hi to me. And they're like, oh, my God, I didn't see you, right? And then it's like, oh, right? Once we talk about the thing or like yeah. I was actually in the middle of a deep conversation with someone else and felt like I couldn't tear my eyes away, right? Whatever it is, mm. the tension immediately evaporates. And the tension is not going to evaporate because Fudge is politician first. And so he is never going to actually say the words, I will do anything to get reelected. And if that means sacrificing a child, so be it, right? Like, there are right. certain truths that Dumbledore and Fudge are just never going to say, and therefore the tension is just never going to be resolved. This is why I like being your friend, because I think we have a, the same approach to navigating that kind of tension. I have some relationships with people I care very, very much for who are like, um, I'm just going to stay really quiet about it. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I want to have the conversation. Like, let's just talk about it. And like, I just because I hate being in tense situations. Exactly. Exactly. I'm like, the conversation is so much less bad than this feeling right now. <laughs> like, how can you just feel it and be fine? I don't get it. I do admire both the ability that Dumbledore and Umbridge have of like using tension as a tactic. Yes. Like, it, right? It's they are willing to sit in that awkwardness dial it up to 11 and then go like hem hem or you know double is doing it too they both oh, have this chin's armchair right 100%. like this is beneath me i'm gonna sit here and like be in a chair that i would also watch a movie in right like he could conjure <laughs> a witness chair right he also brought the popcorn it's just not mentioned yeah. in the text <laughs> like Right, like that is a confrontational thing that is using tension. Like yeah. this is clearly a kangaroo court. I'm going to sit here in a chintz armchair. 100%. He's absolutely using tension. And the, I mean, he has some lines, right? Like even the best wizards cannot control their emotions. It's just like burns being thrown across the room to fudge. And I think a lot of it is that physicality, right? Sitting in the chair, being relaxed, feigning like, oh, it just so happened I arrived early. Like, don't you worry about a thing. Like, it doesn't matter. You tried to, like, get me out I'm of this. I'm so glad you got the owl to make sure that you exactly. could arrive early. It's <laughs> like you literally mean the opposite of what you're saying. <laughs> and then it feels like when Umbridge enters, like, uh, this was the first time I read this chapter and really felt like, oh, Dumbledore has met his match. Like mm -hmm. maybe not in terms of like magical abilities, but certainly in terms of managing people. And so it made me like shiver with terror because Umbridge, you just know what's coming and every single future horror I think is visible in this moment because of the way she's reacting differently to that tension from fuck. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is brought to you by Prose. Casper, I just got a wonderful wonderful haircut. It looks so good. Thank you. I feel great with it, but I cut off over a foot of hair and that means my long hair was sort of pulling my curls in one way. And now that I have short hair, I need a totally different hair care routine. Mm. Luckily, pros is made for people not hair and skin types, personalization is rooted in everything they do from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. And so I use the review and refine feature and I was like, yes, I still want vegan hair care products. Yes, I still want to smell like a lavender field, but my hair is no longer long. It is short to medium length. Please send me a different formula of shampoo and conditioner. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash Harry Potter. So you get your free consultation and then 50% off at pros.com slash Harry Potter. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash Harry Potter. But what's so interesting both about Umbridge and Dumbledore is I don't think either of them feel tense. I think because they both have a clarity of purpose and they know exactly what their agendas are, there's a tremendous amount of calm for both of them. I think everybody else finds this very tension-filled because they're like, I don't know what's going on here. Dumbledore is sitting here technically as head of the school, but he won't look at Harry and this is really weird and he's being very confrontational and Umbridge is technically supposed to be about the truth, but she instead is playing innocent and is like, you couldn't possibly be accusing us of sending Dementors, which she was the one that sent the Dementor. She knows this is true. And so they both have such clarity of purpose that I don't think it's tense for either of them. Wow. I am genuinely gobsmacked. I'm like, how? It reminds me, (laughs) this is going to sound awful, but she reminds me, and Dumbledore does too, of Mrs. Pritchard, who taught me biology and chemistry in middle school, um, Mm -hmm. who was in no way mean. But she, I thought of her as this like ice queen. Like she just was not bothered. And that meant that like, she was never frazzled and she was very clear about the rules. And if you broke it even one inch, you were out of the classroom, blah, 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 blah. So that after two weeks, that was the best behaved class of the day because Mm -hmm. maybe it was exactly what you're saying. She was really clear. 
not so much maybe about the purpose here, but about the boundaries and about the rules and about who was in charge. Like there was just no negotiating with her in terms of who was in charge. That's really interesting that that clarity can undo tension. Right. Like, I think that's why it wasn't tense for me with my students. I knew my job was to nudge people back to the norms of community living. It was tense for them because they didn't have clarity as to what the meeting was. I do think clarity of purpose can make an otherwise tense situation, like, just lose all tension. And, of course, the fact that you'd done that a number of times. Like, and this takes me back to Percy. This is the first time Percy is in this situation. So he's feeling that tension and looking away from Harry. Dumbledore's done this a hundred times. Even Umbridge has been in this situation hundreds of times. And so for them, it's not awkward, right? There is no tension. So for Dumbledore, looking away is tactical. For Percy, it comes out of that tension, that awkwardness. So Casper, we are still doing Chavruta, mm. and it is my turn to lead. And so just as a reminder, I'm going to ask a question and offer an answer. You will then also offer an answer, and then you'll offer a question and an answer, and I'll offer an answer, and that's it. We're going to look closely at the text. And so my question for you is, is Mrs. Fig lying in this scene, or Is she speaking the way of the court? Is she speaking a language of absolutes? So here's the context. So Mrs. Fig comes in. Mrs. Fig is a squib. And so she does not have the magical ability to see Dementors. However, she is 100% sure that there were Dementors in Little Wing Jing. Like she's 100% sure. She experienced it. And so Dumbledore brings her in as a witness to the Wizengamot to corroborate Harry's story. And what she says is, right, like, there were Dementors. I saw them. And then it's very clear to Harry that Mrs. Fig is not capable of seeing Dementors because she starts describing them in a very textbook way. And what Harry says is, right, like, it's clear she's seen, like, pictures of them, like, drawings of them, but she has not seen them. But what I would like to say is that she is not lying. She Mm. is 100% sure that Dementors were there. She experienced it. And yet she also knows that the court is not going to take her experiences in her body seriously. So she is creating a sense of a physical manifestation of a feeling, which is the only way that the court can hear what she's saying. And I think one of the things that I've learned over time is not just that it's important to communicate, but that it's important to communicate in a way that other people can hear, Mm. right? Like if I were to communicate to a one-year-old, like, look, it's unreasonable that you're crying. Your mom left the room, (laughs) but she's going to be back in a minute, right? Like that is not helpful, What is helpful is like picking them up and hugging them or like saying, (laughs) oh, mommy's going to come back through that door in just one minute, right? Like we have to communicate in a way that people can hear. And I think that a court can only hear in certain ways, right? And I think that Mrs. Fig is speaking that language, but she is also perjuring herself. I'm curious what you think about this. 
I love this reading because there's another moment in the text where I feel like we see this happen, where Fudge is grilling Fig and says, that's what you saw? And she answers, that's what happened. And to me, that is such a great example of kind of, you know, what you might call witness coaching, right? Like Dumbledore's clearly prepped her extremely well. But she is navigating that thin line of telling the truth, right? That's what happened is a true statement. If she had answered, yes, that's what I saw, that would have not been true. Because as you say, it's highly unlikely that she was actually seeing them. But she felt them. She knows her own experience. She knows what happened. So that's a really, really interesting question. Is she lying? I mean, she literally says things that are untrue, right? That is, They're that like, is true. They're like, what is it, you know, tell right. me what you saw when you saw a Dementor. And she's like, oh, it was a hooded figure. And right, like, right. I mean, I guess maybe she technically is not saying, and I saw it in a textbook. It, exactly. She's she's describing, right? She's saying, what do they look like? She's not saying, what did you see? Uh-huh. So uh-huh. it's a very, it's a very thin line. But I wonder, does she feel like she has to pretend that she can see them right because otherwise she would feel discredited in some way in front of the rest of the court what if she had come in and said look i can't see them but this is what i felt because her description of what it felt like is undeniably real right like that harry immediately recognizes as someone who's encountered a dementor too but don't you think fudge would say well you're not a hundred percent sure you didn't see them it's about reasonable doubt and so that's why i think ultimately she and dumbledore have come up with this plan and you know, it just about works. So do you think that this is a lie? Do you know what I'm going to say is I think the context of the conversation also shapes what is a lie and what is not. Exactly. You know what I mean? Here's what I'll say is she is telling the truth and she is being extremely intentional and strategic about how to answer questions. She is never intentionally telling falsehoods. Oh, I disagree. Oh, oh, I think, think she think... is intentionally avoiding answering the question as to whether or not she saw a Dementor. Yes. She says squibs can see Dementors. Like she is, maybe there is, I don't know. I love your point that maybe there is one squib in the world who can see Dementors. And she's like, squibs can see Dementors. But My great distant aunt told me that she could. And who am I to question her? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That kind of thing. Oh, Uh, but I just really do think that lying, like, depends on the context. I don't know. Like, I think it's really important to not tell your six-year-old that you're, like, worried about the bills. And so if they're like, what are you worried about? You're like, oh, work, right? Like, I... Rain, yeah. (laughs) Like, I... And I don't think that that's lying. I think that that is, like, speaking in a way that is appropriate in the context but okay what question do you have in conversation with my question Mm. i wonder does the rest of the wisdom got know what's happening and therefore vote with you know dumbledore's argument and the evidence that fig is presenting or do they really think this is a legitimate conversation Mm. because that i think there are signs on both sides, right? Like, I do too. And what I'm confused by is how the hell anyone would not realize what is going on, right? Like, they have to be so naive, at least from what we've been reading in the text. They have to be so naive not to realize. But I wonder if there is such deep trust in the institutions 
and the and and the power dynamics are so real. I mean, they've seen Dumbledore get thrown off the Wizard so maybe they're right. like, maybe I'm next, right? So, do you think this is a legitimate trial to the rest of the of the kind of jury judge team? Mm-hmm. I think we're split down the middle. I, I know yeah. that's a fudge, but I I think there's some people who really know the politics, and some people who are genuinely like, this boy is a menace to society. If this is true, mm-hmm. and so we need to judge him by the letter of the law. Yeah. I think that that's exactly right. And I also think that institutions require a level of performance of like, Mm. if I start behaving as if the law doesn't matter, then the law will matter less. Right. And it's something that, you know, I really believe in prison abolition, but that doesn't mean that I don't believe in consequences. I just believe that our prison system is completely inhumane. Mm. And yet I will say... I really have found a lot of comfort in the fact that January 6th insurrectionists have been getting their day in court and been found guilty, right? Because that was a day in which a group of people were acting like laws didn't matter. And I don't like all of our laws at all, but I want to live in a world in which we are trying to make those laws better and speeding matters. (laughs) Like, you know, that... Our laws are here to protect our liberties and create a sense of safety. And so I love that some people's answer to a day in which laws didn't matter is no laws really matter. And I think a lot of those people also know that like laws are arbitrary. I don't, the thing I would just add, I think that you're right that it's split down the middle. And I think a lot of times people are performing that something matters right, as an act of resistance. Mm. And so I think that someone like Amelia Bones knows that there is tension in this room and knows it's nonsense that Dumbledore has been kicked off the court and knows that Fudge has a political agenda and yet is behaving as if none of that is true as a strategy to hopefully make it not true. And I think that it is a reasonable strategy at this point. It will become an insufficient strategy, but I think that this is like a considered point of view that she's engaging in. There is no perfect yes or perfect no. It's it's always somewhere in between in this context. Yeah. Thank you so much for this Havruta, Casper. It was lovely. <laughs> Thank you. Great question. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. It's time for a voicemail note, and this one comes from Madison. Hi, Vanessa, Matt, Casper, Ariana, and everyone at the Harry Potter and the Sacred Text team. My name's Maddie, and I use she, her pronouns. I'm calling in to bless Hermione, especially the Hermione that we first meet in the first book. Um, as someone who has recently finished her conversion to Judaism, Hermione in the first book has taken on a whole new resonance with me. The way that she just avidly studies Hogwarts at history and any kind of book that she can get her hands on to make it seem like she naturally fits in within the wizarding community is something that I really relate to. Um, and the way that she just tends to know like weird facts that, you know, maybe other people don't know at Hogwarts and they're like, oh, I'm a wizard and I never knew that really resonates with me as somebody who, you know, it's because I spent a lot of my time studying as part of my conversion, um, has my born Jewish friends who will say things like, oh, I didn't even know that. And uh, I just want to bless Hermione because I know it's her way of trying to fit into her new community and, you know, try and be accepted and you know, like culture shock, it's one of those things that you have to learn by experiencing. You can't learn everything in a book. Um, so, yeah, I just want to bless Hermione and thank you all for all the amazing work that you do on this podcast. Um, I've been listening since college and I look forward to it every week. Have a great day. Madison, thank you so much for that beautiful voicemail. And I don't know. I still feel like I adjust to different roles in my life and am like, wait, what am I supposed to do? (laughs) And so I love that you're pointing this out to us about Hermione. And I think that it really resonates with a lot of us all of the time. We're always stepping into new roles. And there are ways in which some people are set up more for success than others. And Hermione's way of navigating this really difficult transition is, yeah, a really beautiful technique. So thank you so much. Mm. Thanks, Madison. It's now time for us to remember members of our community who have been loved and lost. And this week we honor Jim Crawford, who was 76, a joyful beloved husband, dad, and grandpa. Clay Brawner, 67, A father, grandpa, chef, and rebel. Arnav Agarwal, 23, who was a jokester who seized every moment. And Steph Salerno, 24, a selfless friend who raised awareness for EDS. May their memory be a blessing. Casper, it is now time for us to offer blessings for characters in the chapter, and I would like to bless Harry 
His whole mm-hmm. life hangs in the balance and he is just being used as a pawn, right? Like this is not about Harry. This is about what Harry symbolizes and this is about whether or not the Ministry of Magic is going to keep trying to protect people from Voldemort or fall into this false sense that Voldemort isn't rising and Dumbledore is using Harry as a pawn. And for this kid, it's just about whether or not he's going to get to go back to Hogwarts, which is, I mean, it's his whole life. It is his whole life. And the fact that nobody acknowledges him with kindness, not even Percy or Dumbledore, is just terrifying. I can imagine this is like a huge trauma in my life. And it's just like another day in the life of this kid. So I'd like to offer that blessing to Harry. Who would you like to bless this week? Well, our conversation makes me want to bless the logistics staff in Mm. the ministry who wants to come in and be told hey the thing that you'd prepared for that starts at 10 30 is now happening at nine (laughs) you need to get everything printed you need to move the chairs you need to get these invitations out get them early but not too early to Dumbledore (laughs) just like everything that comes from on high without explanation that impacts my life and the perfect plan that I made for the event I'm organizing. I just feel like so many people have to deal with that kind of BS. (laughs) So my blessing is for folks who actually make things run, who get unexplained, unhelpful diktats from above that everything suddenly has to be done differently. So a blessing for them. Amen. Next week, we are going to be reading Book 5, Chapter 9, The Woes of Mrs. Weasley, through the theme of intimacy. And wonderful Matt Potts will be back. You can join me, Casper, and Ariana on a Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban pilgrimage next year. Woo-hoo. Sign up now by going to NotSorryWorks.com and clicking on Common Ground Pilgrimages. And please join our Patreon or go up a level. We have a few days. We are almost at our goal. Go to Patreon.com slash Harry Potter Sacred Text. This was a Not Sorry production. We are a feminist production company. Our executive producer is Caitlin Hoffmeister, and we have been edited and produced by the wonderful AJ Yoramas. Our music is by Ivan Paisau and Nick Bull, and we are distributed by Acast. This week's voicemail came from Madison. Thank you, Madison. And thanks also to Laura Glass, Ariana Nettleman, Julia Argie, Margaret H. Willison, Nikki Zoltan, Hannah Rehack, Courtney Brown, Matt Potts, Stephanie Paulsell, and everyone who sent in their names of their loved ones. And also to you, Vanessa. Thanks. I'm glad you're here. Thank you. No, no, no. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Please. (laughs) I'll see you in court. (laughs) (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.